0: Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Hey, if you're new, check in this church out or you've been coming for a little while. Maybe you've missed some weeks. We've been in this series called Kingdom Culture, and we're talking about our responsibility to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Because that's what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. And I understand that's not everybody in the room. Some of you are checking the whole church thing out. We're so glad that you are here. But as followers of Jesus, he talks often about how we are to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. How we are to partner with God in making that happen. And the reason I say partner, by the way, is because we don't do membership. We do partnership. We're just partnering with what God wants to do in this city. And we don't do membership. I know it's just kind of a rabbit trail a little bit, but we don't do membership because some of you grew up like me. Maybe you went to church and you kind of have this idea of what church membership is and what it looks like. And here's how it goes. You go check out a church for a while. And you kind of sit in the back and you just kind of, you know, are vetting the place, you're vetting the church, you're vetting the pastor saying, man, can I, you know, is this do crazy or what? And, and maybe I am. I don't know. But you're just checking this thing out. And then you decide, right, that, well, you know, I want to get I want to get involved. And so the question then becomes, how do I become a a member? Right. And so we decided we don't we don't do membership because we do partnership because the English term membership kind of gives this idea that you pay a fee. And receive a service. And that's not what we do. In fact, nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere in God's Word, is it put in those those terms that you pay a fee and you receive a service. So it's kind of like going to a country club, right? We're members of the club. We paid our dues at the beginning of the year or the beginning of the month, and now we get to to you know uh, use all the amenities of that club. But that's really not how God outlines you know, our responsibility. In fact, in Ephesians 4, the, the pastor of pastors, the apostle Paul says, hey, this, this is what was given to the local church. Pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers, apostles, so that not they could do the ministry, but so that they could equip people to do the ministry. So here's what you need to know. We're in this together. We're in this together. We're called to serve together. We cannot do this church without people faithfully serving this church, faithfully being a part of, of what it is God has called us to partner him with. And so uh, I'm just saying, it's, it's not only um, unhealthy for you to not get involved and to sit there. At some point, you gotta get off the, the stands, right, and get into the game. It's not healthy, and, and I get it. Listen, some of you, you, you need to just come to church and sit. And that's all right, you need to come to church And rest and be you know poured into and be fed but if all you ever do is come and eat and eat and eat and never exercise any of those spiritual calories out can I tell you something like the way the way by serving and giving is how we metabolize the word of God in our life it's how we exercise that stuff out and so at some point you got to get connected and involved because we ultimately do this together we serve we we give we do all that in order to set a table so that people who are far from god can come and taste and see just how good god is how good he's been to you how good he's been to me through his son jesus get me fired up this morning so that's why we do what we do we don't do membership we do partnership And so how do we partner? That's what we've been asking. How do we partner with God in bringing the kingdom of heaven to this this earth? And today, an aspect of that that I have the privilege of talking about, the privilege, and I honestly uh, consider it a privilege, is talking about giving and generosity from a fiscal perspective. Now, not that long ago, I would have not said this was a privilege to talk about. I would have called this maybe a chore or maybe an obligation or 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 something of a a duty and here's a little bit why uh get you like into my thinking into my world why I would have not called this a a privilege is because when it comes time for the the pastor to talk about you know those hard earned green pieces of paper that you put in the bucket every single week, you know which ones I'm talking about right the guy that's getting paid buy those hard-earned green pieces of paper that you put in the bucket every week, it kind of felt like, for me, like a conflict of interest. To be honest, to be talking about you and how you need to put those hard-earned green pieces of paper in the bucket every week. And if you've ever been been judged for your motives, how many of you know that's a terrible thing? It's a terrible feeling. And so literally, you know, I would have, you know, whenever I talked about it, thousands of people judging me for my, my motives, So that's not fun right there, just right off the bat. But the second reason is, is because when we start talking about this, some of you experienced what I experienced. You experienced the, the, the slick haired, you know, TV preacher online, you know, or whatever, just kind of talking to all the, the elderly widowed women about why you need to give and sow a seed to his ministry in order to keep that thing going. I'm like, I never want to be associated with that. Never be, want to be thought that like that. I never want to be judged that way. So here's what I'll do. Just won't talk about it. And, th- and that's what I did for the, about the first five years of this almost 10 year old church plant. Like, just don't talk about it. Let's just not talk about it. Let's just see what happens. But then you know what? I grew up. I grew up. I matured in my faith. And I'm, I'm on this journey like many of you. Like, we're, we're all in this process of, of growing and becoming more like Christ. And I realized something crazy my wife and I take the, the issue of giving very seriously, like very seriously. I would say it is a core value in the Atkins home. Like we are vigilant about giving our tithes to the church and not just our tithes, but over and above that with the, the offering. And so this is, this is who we, we are. This is what God has called us to do and from that we get a level of peace and a level of security and a level of 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 you know trust with our relationship with God that we would not have otherwise and can I tell you something when we first started this journey of of returning to God our first and our best it was not uh, a joy for us it was mainly out of well this is what we do obligation or out of, you know, feeling convicted by it. And I say that because that's where many of you are today. Let's just be honest today. Let's be real. Some of you would be like, yeah, Colby, it's not, I wouldn't call it a joy. I would say I feel obligated to give. I would say I feel, because of talks like this, you know, sometimes I feel convicted in my giving, but I'm not what you would call, Colby, a, a cheerful giver yet. And can I tell you something? That's okay. You don't have to be. That's okay. You continue to be obedient, and God will bless your obedience at some point you'll see the fruit and the harvest of that and by the way it doesn't just come in 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 financial blessings it comes in 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 family blessings it comes in you know opportunity blessings. it comes in a million different ways and I'm just convicted that I want every single one of us to experience that you know the the blessings that come from faith-filled kinds of giving the same blessings my, my wife and I have have received I want everyone to taste and see what it means to be a faithful giver, not just out of duty, but out of delight. Not just out of obligation, right, but out of an act of worship. And so if you have your Bible, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. And 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 are kind of the most uh, in-depth, I would say, the most uh, extensive and isolated passages in God's word about what it looks like to give responsibly to the local church. And so it's a no-brainer that we should start there today. Now, while you're turning there, let's talk about the llama in the room. What's up, llama? When was the last time you remember doing the whole pinata thing? Does anybody love a pinata? I and mean, I love, I love a pinata. I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm just going to brag a little bit. I'm so good at the pinata thing. All right. I'm just, I'm just telling you, when you go to a party and you see that they have a, a pinata and we're going to string this bad boy up, come on down. When you go to a pinata, when you go to a party and you see that they have a pinata, isn't it like, oh, man, I can't wait. I can't wait to get my hands on that stick. I can't wait to, to bust open that pinata. And I'll just tell you, the pinata for me is like the pinnacle event of every party because it combines every boy's two favorite things. It com- combines candy and hitting stuff, breaking stuff. And as boys, you know, that's what we, we love to do, right? And you'd always have, you know, that, that one kid, you know, that would, you know, get started. And he's like this. <laughs> it's like, didn't your dad teach you how to, like, it looks like he never swung a stick before in his life. It's like, what's wrong with you? But me, I was like a pinata Jedi. I was like Obi-Wan Kenobi. I just wham! And I'd break that sucker open. How many of you know, though, pinata time can also go horribly wrong. You know what I'm talking about? Because what you're doing is, is you're putting a pinata up. You're taking a little kid, a child. You, you put a blindfold on him. You spin him around until he pukes his guts out and he's sick. And then you put a stick in his hand. You point him in the right direction. You say, good luck. And if you don't believe me, it can go very wrong. You should Google or YouTube pinata fails. It is, Is it's actually a little disturbing. You see some people just get knocked out. I mean, it's terrible. And then of course you have the parents that they're the rookie pinata people is their first time. So they'll take the pinata and hold it up by a string like this. And I'm like, all right, how long do you think your arms are, bro? You ain't LeBron James, right? You guys, what is this kind of thing? You are an AFV video waiting to happen. That's what you are right now. But pinata time can go really bad. And not only during the, the beating of the pinata, but also once it's busted open and there's candy everywhere because what is a massive bum rush to the candy, right? It's like, let's go. You have kids diving in on each other. You have head butts happening. You have lacerations over the eye. You have some kids crying. And then there's a kid that didn't get to hit the pinata. He's mad, so he goes and grabs the stick anyway and starts attacking whatever is left of that pinata. And then you have some kids that are just so passive, they're in the back. Let's just, let's name them, right? Let's say the one kid who's super passive, his name is Winston. Hopefully that's not anybody's name here. But his name's Winston. He's just kind of hanging in the back, just watching, you know, everyone else gather the spoils because he's terrified. He doesn't want to get in there and, and mix it up. So he's hanging out in the back, just watching and just, just kind of waiting. And, and he'll come in after everybody's done, he'll pick up the leftovers, which, which are what? Tootsie Rolls and dum-dums. Which, by the way, parents, stop putting Tootsie Rolls and dum-dums in the piñata, all right? Timmy turns four one time in his life. Let's splurge a little bit. Let's get the nerds. Like, let's get the, let's get the good stuff and load that up. But little Winston, he'll just wait, and he'll come and pick up the, the dum-dums and the Tootsie Rolls, and, and, and he'll pretend like he's okay with it, but he's really not. He's going to be in counseling later on in life for it. And then you have the other ones that are just the, let's call them the Daves. All right. The Daves just muscle everybody out of the way. Uh, The Daves and the Chloe's, right? They're they're the one one percenters, I'll call them. They're the ones that are just bigger. They're faster. They're stronger. They get everybody out of the way and they just collect all the spoils. And you have, it's the kid that's walking around like this. He's got candy on his shirt. You know what I'm talking about? And he's got candy, he's smiling. He's got candy for two months straight. You know, and even beyond that, you know, I think he's just happy that he has more than everybody else. And he's showing you, look at my candy, look at my candy, and all that kind of stuff. And those are like the one percenters. And I don't know if you've ever been, though, to a party, because what they don't realize is that the only reason that there's a, you know, candy there that they get to enjoy is because someone strung it up there in the first place. Some parent had to pay for it. And I went to a a party where there was a parent that because... This was not, obviously, their first pinata rodeo. That they, you know, either because of, you know, uh, past history, they understood both the, the happiness and the horrors of the pinata. They gathered all the children up. And they gave them the new rules of engagement for the pinata. That's why this parent do this. It's just like, like the much better parent than I am. She gathered all the Daves and the Chloe's. And they're like, hey, 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 come here, you guys. Come here, come here, come here. This pinata, listen, Dave, I know that you're bigger and stronger than everybody else here. And I know that when I say it's pinata time, you're gonna be the first one in line. And even if you're not, the other kids are gonna let you go because you're bigger than them and you'll, you'll beat them up. And, and I know that you're gonna kill that thing and, and all that. But listen, Dave, it's not for you. It's for the little ones. It's for the, the Carsons and the Timmies and the Palmers. And I'm just making names up and just all these little guys. <laughs> And the, and the Sallys and, and those kinds of people. And, and listen, Dave, if, if you would let them go first, then I'd really appreciate it. And it's amazing how when you explain something to someone in simple terms, how agreeable they can be. The light bulb comes on. I saw this kid go like, oh, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Go ahead. And he's like, hey, 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 Chloe, come here, Chloe. I know that you're, you look sweet and I like those pigtails you got going on right now. But when I said pinata time, I saw you take a stick and start to sharpen the end of it. Making like a prison shiv out of that thing. And you're ready to shank somebody, you know, that is, you know, a less hardened criminal than you. And so, like, can you, can you do me a favor and let, let, let the Winstons come in and, and grab some candy first and, and, and then try to, you know. And, and, you know, they're like, yeah, that's fine. And then she said, hey, even if one of the little ones happens to break the pinata open, which I don't know that they will, but if they happen to, will you let them collect all the good stuff? And then you come in because, listen, you're the older brother, you're the older sister. You shouldn't even be here anyway. And so this is, you know, this is for them, but I want you to enjoy the spoils of the pinata just as much as anyone else. And and they're like, yeah, we can do that. And so the, I, I saw this, this one little kid got up there, and there was the little kid who's like, huh, uh. It's like, man, where's your dad? It's like, huh. Just hitting this thing. And then there was another boy who came up who looked like, I mean, you could just tell. He played like travel everything baseball, hockey. He came up there, they gave him the stick. He went like this, turned his hat on backwards, and was like, BAM! And our pets' heads are falling off. And he's beating that thing. And just candy, candy's going everywhere. And all the little kids start coming in. And I saw the big kids who had been given the new rules of engagement for the pinata just kind of wait. And just kind of watch. In fact, one of them picked up, you know, a few pieces of candy and went back to the, the mom that gave them the rules and said, hey, I only got three. And she's like, that's good. That's great pinata stewardship going on right there. That's, that's awesome. And so, you know, he picked up something that I saw him helping the other, the other little kids because they understood what it meant to share. They understood what it meant to share in the spoils of the pinata. And I tell you all that because a long time ago, God spoke into existence, this giant pinata in the sky that we call earth. And the Bible tells us that everything in the earth is the Lord's and the fullness there of that he has given us everything on this earth for our enjoyment, for our, our lives, everything that we need. Listen to me. God created that for every image bearer. Who are the image bearers? All of us. We're all image bearers. We've all been created in the image of God, he created the earth for every image bearer. And so long before sin entered into the equation, long before there was hoarding, long before people were trying to put all their stuff in their, their shirts that they could, or, or, you know, make shivs, you know, and try to get, get, you know, what was coming to them. Long before all that, God created the planet earth to be enjoyed by everyone equally. Now I know it doesn't happen that way. We are not under some kind of, you know, veil that we just believe everybody has an equal share I'm not saying that at all we obviously know that however Jesus told us to pray like this in Matthew six ten: thy kingdom come thy will be done so we are to pray and be kingdom people who pray in such a way for God's kingdom of heaven to come to this earth and can I tell you something right now people in heaven they're not lacking anything they're not in need for anything. They're not wanting anything. They have all that they need at all times. And so our job is to not only pray that down to this earth, but our job is to help bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Are you with me? By the way that we serve, by the way that we, we love and have compassion, by the way that we hold truth uh, true to, to God's word, but also by the way that we give and share what we have been given. So for the next few minutes, I want to talk from this title right here, jot it down, Pinata Stewardship. What did you learn today in church? Pinata Stewardship. What the heck is that? I don't know. Because every single one of us has been given a slice, given a chunk of God's bounty for us to to enjoy, that we're all enjoying right now. And yes, I know, all to different degrees, all to different levels, all have different jobs, different careers, different, you know, account balances in our banks. Like, I I get that, all of us, but we have to remember, first of all, that God gave us his creation for our enjoyment, for our enjoyment. I need you to hear me on this. This is not sell everything that you have and give to the poor, unless God calls you to do that, and he might call you to do that. This is not that that talk. And by the way, if God, God calls you to do that, then he's going to make it up to you in the end. He always does. But this is, all of us have been called not just to enjoy the spoils of God's creation that he's given us, but also to share it and to steward what we've been given well, because you and I will never fully enjoy the amazing things God has given us that I understand you worked hard for. I get it. Those green pieces of paper, I understand you worked hard for it. I understand that you sweat for it. I understand that you had to punch a clock, you know, for what you have. I get all that. I'm just saying we'll never fully be able to enjoy the part of God's creation that he's given us while others have nothing. In fact, this is the one note I'm going to give you. It's this, I will never fully enjoy all God has blessed me with while so many go without ultimately you need to understand this is how god created the earth before sin entered in the world for us to all enjoy and us to all to, to to get what we need from from what god has given us and there is more pinata there is more in this pinata more resource in this planet earth that we're on than we could ever ever use up if we steward it well and if we share it well did you understand that for real because I know there's a lot out there that wants to tell you otherwise. I know there's a lot out there that wants to scare us into believing you know, that, that there is just a, a limited supply. But I'm telling you, when we use it right, there is more on this, this planet Earth, more resource than we could ever use up. There is no reason anyone in this world needs to go hungry, needs to go without water, needs to go without medicine, <laughs> needs to go without any of their daily needs. Are you with me? That's what I'm saying. There's there's enough here to go around if we use it the way that God intended for us to use it and to live a good life. Not just to to live life, not just to get by, but I believe to, to flourish. And we know all over the globe for so many people right here in our own backyard, that's just not even the case. That's not happening. And what Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, hey, listen, kingdom people we play by a different set of rules. We do differently than the world does around us. We have the highest calling as representatives of God to be the most generous and gracious stewards of what he's given us, of our own personal pinatas because we also as as followers of Jesus understand where everything that we have came from in the first place. We know it wasn't my, my work alone. We know that it was God. Every good gift, the Bible says, has come from, from God. And so this isn't, you know, God saying this is about a guilt trip or this is a condemning thing, none of that. This is you will never fully enjoy all that you were intended to fully enjoy if you just hoard it, if you just are greedy with it, stockpile it, make it all about you. But when you use the resources God has given you, when we share our pinata with those who aren't as big and as fast and as cunning and as whatever, right, there is a blessing that you receive in your heart that no activity and no thing could ever bring. In fact, that's what Jesus is quoted saying. It is more blessed to give than to what? Receive. And you've experienced that in your own life. And so here's what I want to do. Read Second Corinthians chapter 8. If you're there, this is the Apostle Paul. He's talking to a church that he planted in, in Greece. And what he's doing is he's telling this church, hey, hey, there's this offering that's coming. And by the way, hey, church, there's an offering that we're all going to participate in in next week. He's saying there's this offering that's coming, and I'm collecting it for uh, the main church in Jerusalem, is what he's saying. And he's talking to a bunch of, of Gentiles, newly converted Gentiles, about giving to newly converted Jews. And at this point, these two groups really didn't get along that well yet. But Paul's saying it doesn't matter if you get along. It doesn't matter what you think about them. It doesn't matter what you feel towards them. This is the need that there is right now. There's something bigger than you. And Paul says, I'm not commanding you to do this, by the way. I'm inviting you to do this. I'm not commanding you to give. I'm, I'm, invite, I'm pleading with you. Colby, why would you, why would you plead with us to give, this is critical right here. Because generosity and giving is a huge piece to the discipleship process, to becoming more like Christ. Like, as you become more like Christ, you don't become more greedy, you become more generous. As you become more like Christ and you, you learn what, what God's word says, listen, God was a giver, right? God, for God so loved that He gave his first and his best, Jesus gave, he gave his life for us. So when we become, you know, followers of Jesus, we don't become more greedy. And so this is a huge part. And just practically speaking, I have never met the person that was content and filled with peace and joy in their life, but but fiscally they were a mess. I've never met that person. I've had lots of conversations with people. And so these two go in order, even practically speaking it helps bring peace and comfort and trust in our relationships. So here's where we pick it up in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says this, our desire, so Paul's giving us some heart behind this, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you're hard pressed. That's not the goal. But he says the goal is there might be what? Say it out loud. Equality. Equality And at present time, your plenty, what you have is going to supply their needs. So then in in turn, their plenty will supply your need. The goal, he says it again, is equality. And he says this, he quotes an Old Testament scripture, as it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. It's all about equality. Now, quick time out. Republicans in the room or online watching, I need you to take a breath. This is not written by Bernie Sanders. All right, so just breathe easy. This is written by the pastor of pastors, the apostle Paul, and he's not talking about a government-mandated socialism. This is not talking about a redistribution of wealth. This is talking about spirit-led generosity. There's a big difference between commanding you to do something and inviting you to be a part of something, and that's what he's doing. He's inviting us to do this, This is not redistribution of, of what we have. It's completely different. He's inviting us not because of what you think is right or wrong or not because of who you think deserves it or doesn't deserve it. He's inviting us to say, Hey, here's what you've been given. Would you share your pinata with those around you who are struggling a bit with the pinata game, who haven't done so well in the pinata game, either because of a product of where they were born on this earth, what they were born into, like they haven't done so well. So he's saying, will you willfully choose to give some of your pinata to those who haven't had a whole lot of luck in this area, regardless of their story, regardless of what they've done, regardless of decisions that they've made, regardless of their backstory. I know we get hung up, right, on people's backstories, but he's like, it doesn't matter. It would be, he's saying it should be your honor to give and to bless those in the name of Jesus. So that's what he's saying. Not so that you'll be hard-pressed, but so that everyone can share in what I originally intended for them to share in. In fact, a couple verses earlier, he says this, look at verse seven. Since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love. Faith, speech, knowledge, earnestness, and love. Then he says this, and this will be my translation. Now put your money where your mouth is. To excel in another grace, the grace of, of giving. Paul's like, hey, you guys, man, you guys are killing it in faith. Like, you're, you're amazing with your faith. Like, like, even with your love, the way you love, like, for real, no cap. Like, this is awesome how you love one another. It's just amazing. And he'd say to us, Elevate Church, man, you guys are killing it in your faith and in your love. Man, you guys are a five-star church. Faith, love, earnestness. You know, uh, what are those other ones? Knowledge, speech. You're a five-star church, but I believe you could be a six-star church. I believe there's, there's six stars. He says, so see to it that you also excel in the grace. What is grace? It's giving somebody something that they don't deserve. It's a free gift. This grace, see to it that you excel in this grace of giving. And by the way, we're all a product of grace eternally. We've all been given this free gift. Now, because I'm a terrible pastor compared to Paul, you know, and that's why he's Paul and I'm me, just saying. I probably would have said, hey, Elevate Church, five out of six stars, that's good enough. Right? Five out of six, that's good. Um, In fact, I would have said, uh, you know, hey, you know, you guys are, are, are so faith filled. You guys are killing it in the area of serving, and you really are, and I would mean that from the bottom of my heart, Or I'd say, you guys are uh, you know, welcoming, you're so welcoming to everyone around you, and beyond being welcoming, you, are, you, are, uh, you, you want them here. And say, I love that about you. And Paul would say, yeah, you guys are great, but I'm not letting you off the hook that easy. I'm not letting you off the hook on this giving thing. He says, see to it that you also excel in the grace of giving. And then here's what I love, chapter 9. Because I don't know about you, but I'm that kid that if you, you told me something to do um, without telling me why, I would rebel every time. Anybody else? Like, I know it's a hard issue. You can pray for me. I'm in counseling for it. It's just, like, rules without reasons equal rebellion for PC every time. All right? So I just need some reasons. Tell me the reason why. And I love chapter 9 because Paul goes into, hey, this is no longer what I'm asking you to do. Here's why we need to do it. And this is what I get really excited about. He says this, remember, whoever sows sparingly will also what? Reap sparingly. So he's not trying to make you feel guilty. He's not trying to make you feel compulsed in your, your giving. He's not trying to manipulate them. This is not like some Sarah McLachlan commercial where she, she's like, you know, here's a three-legged dog. And, and it's singing for the arms of the, this is not that Paul saying, Hey, this is science. This is just science. And he's talking to a group of farmers saying, Hey, this is how it works. You know, if, if there's seed time and there's harvest time, it's the law of sowing and the law of reaping that God put into place before the creation of the world. And so he's like, I'm not trying to manipulate you. If you sow a little, you get a little. If you sow a lot, you receive a lot. So a lot of seed into the ground, you're going to have a huge harvest and even more seeds, right? To have a bigger harvest the next year. And then he reaffirms this in Galatians 6, 7. He says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows, which by the way, This, the law of sowing and reaping does not just apply to finances. This applies to every area of your life and not only good stuff. You know, you could sow evil and you could reap evil in return. It says a man reaps what he sows. Those who sow to please the flesh, you know, will reap from that destruction. Those who sow to please the spirit, though, will reap eternal life. And so he says this, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, there's our word from last week, as we have these, these God moments, these Kairos moments, these see and need, me to need moments, let us do good to who? All people. And I love this. He says, especially, especially to the people, the family of believers. He says, do good to everyone, no matter what use the spoils of your pinata for all kinds of people in all kinds of places in life but especially to the people in the family of believers which is why we did this last week and the same offer stands this week if you are in need of snow boots for your children or if you know anybody else that is in a need don't leave here today without getting them we'll have people up front that are here to help you it is our privilege to be able to give this to you it is our privilege to be able to help people in need with their, their heating bills and electric bills. And, and we've helped people with, with cars and we've helped people with, 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 with rent payment. We've helped people with, with groceries. Like we get to do this stuff, church. This is what we get to do. And I know I gotta wrap this up in verse seven of Second Corinthians 9, he says, each of you should give what you've decided in your hearts to give. So like make a choice and then follow through Make a choice, follow through. We've asked you, you know, to pray and just ask God what he would have you bring next week. Just make a choice, decide in your heart. He says, don't do it reluctantly. Don't do it compulsively. And so can I just tell you something? Save yourself the trouble if you're gonna come next week and give begrudgingly or out of compulsion. Like, just don't do it at all. But can I ask you this? If you thought that God just wants your money, which I'll hear that from time to time, God just wants my money, well, then do you think he would care in, in the attitude in which you would give it? And so obviously he cares about your attitude because it's not about your money. What it's about is your heart. And so he says, I don't, I don't want you to give you know, compulsively. I don't want you to give reluctantly. I'm not impressed. You know, God's saying with how much you have with your portfolio, I'm not impressed with what's in your account balance, right? I'm not after that stuff, I'm after your your heart. God does not need your money. People need it. Hey, this city needs it. Hey, this church needs it, not to keep the lights on, not for operations, this church needs it so we can continue to reach as many people as we can with a gospel message. We need it so we can help raise the generation of world changes. We're not just daycare with your children across the lobby. And they're leading, they're building up the next leaders of this church, the next leaders who are, who are godly, that desperately need like, a, a solid foundation in the world that we're living in. How many of you know that? We're, we, people need it so when disaster hits, like we can be there through convoy. People just, we need it. God doesn't need it. God needs our heart. That's why Jesus very said, cl- said clearly, where your treasure is, there your heart is. Because there's a direct connection between our heart and the way that we give. So you says, "No." Jesus takes this, this fiscal giving seriously as well. He says, don't, don't do it reluctantly or in a compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. And you know what? Sometimes it's gonna be easy to do. Sometimes it will be easy, weak, to week or, or month to month to give, but there are going to be other days. Can I tell you something? It's going to be difficult and it will be an, a faith-filled exercise to give because of the season that you are in. But he says this, choose and just decide, do it Do it anyway. Because what did we learn in Galatians? It said, because at the proper time, at the right time, right, we will reap a harvest at the right time. You know what that means? And this is what I've learned. There's always a gap between our generosity and God's faithfulness. And I say that it's important because this is what happens. Colby, man, that was a good message, but I've tried that before and it didn't work. You know what I've learned? God's sovereignty guarantees that there will be this mysterious gap between my generosity and someone else's life and the harvest that is seen because of it. I guess the question is: Are are you willing to? Are you okay with the gap? Are you okay with with the meantime with just waiting? Will you trust God in the meantime of your your generosity? You're sowing that seed and the harvest that it brings. That so God loves a cheerful giver. He goes on to say, God's able to bless you abundantly. I don't know about you, but I'll take that. I want that so that in all things, at all times not hoarding, not so that you can be the 1% running around, you know, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, be generous back. I believe it's God's joy and God's honor to bless you and increase the spoils in your life and the bounty of his creation in your life. But ultimately, here's what we need to know, is not for you and your enjoyment alone. It's for others, it's for others. He goes on to say this, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts. They have taken some of their spoils of the pinata, scattered their gifts, and their righteousness endures forever. Here's the last thing I'll leave you with. There are not many things, if anything, if anything, that will leave for you or that will leave for your family a legacy like generosity. According to God's word, there's not many things, if anything, that will leave a legacy like generosity. You know why? Because there are a few things that transcend the grave, but generosity, can I tell you something, always transcends the grave. It always goes beyond because you can't take anything with you materially when you leave and go to heaven, but you get to take every single story of generosity with you when you leave. And this is what God has called us to. This is what God has called us as a church to be in our community and beyond to be radical dispensers of the pinata that he's given us for the needs of the people in this world and for the glory of Jesus. Will you stand to your feet and bow your head, close your eyes. God, I pray right now in this moment, you just continue to speak to our hearts, God, that we know that every good and perfect thing that we have comes from you. And God, we know that you have blessed us with so much, God, not to to keep it to ourselves, but to be a blessing to the world around us. And so, God, I pray that you challenge us. I pray that you would convict us, God, in this moment. I pray, God, that you would ready our hearts and ready our feet to be able to participate in generosity next week, God. We just know, God, that there's nothing quite like the call that you have given us to be generous, generous in the world around us and the difference that it can make in people's life is nothing quite like the fact that when we're generous, God, it comes back and returns in thanksgiving to you and that people recognize who you are as we give and as we freely give and scatter what you've given us to a world that's so desperate that we'll never fully enjoy what you've blessed us with when there's so many that go without. And so God, I pray right now we'd be the kind of church, that would be a blessing to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue to worship. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church Podcast. And we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.